It's hard for me to believe, but it's been almost 15 years since my wife and I looked at each other and in front of God and friends and family made vows to one another, vows that we were determined by the grace of God to keep towards one another for our entire lives. And there are certain moments in that day, certain sounds, certain images, certain smells even, that I can remember right now as if it happened yesterday. They're forever etched into my memory. In fact, if I'm really honest with you, I I actually remember that day every single day of my life. But the question before us this morning is what does it mean to actually remember such things? And this is what I want us to to talk about this morning. What does it actually mean to remember? Is remembering just recalling the facts of a moment? Is it just recalling and bringing to mind the sights and the sounds and, and the smells? Normally when we talk about remembering moments like this, what we're talking about is bringing back into our minds something from the past that no longer carries much impact on the present. That's what remembering usually means for us. We have to scroll back into our minds for what it is we're trying to bring back in. I mean, is that all that remembering is? Is it just being able to grab a hold of information? Is it just being able to grab a hold of particular memories or, or is it more? Is there something more to what it means to actually remember? Remembering is a tremendously rich activity. There, there's so much more to remembering than just recalling facts, than just gathering information. To remember in the fullest sense, and I want you to hear this, to, to remember in the fullest sense is to allow past realities to impact, to shape, to transform present living. That's what the fullest and richest idea of remembering really is. We remember something, not just when we can know information about it, but when we allow the realities of that past experience to transform the way that we live today. So here's what I mean by way of that first example. I I remember that day 15 years ago, every single day, and I remember that covenant that I made with my wife before God every single day, not just when I try to recall the words that I said, but when I allow the reality of what I did that day to shape the way I live now. I remember that day 15 years ago, every single day of my life, when the vows that I made on that day 15 years ago shaped the way I live, shaped the way my priorities today get worked out. When I remember that God, by his grace, has made me not an autonomous individual, but has taken those two people that committed themselves to each other 15 years ago and made them one, that shapes the way that I look at the life that I live now, how I spend my time, how we spend our money, the priorities of my own life, how it's ordered, how I have relationships with other people. I remember that day every single day when the realities of that experience in the past shape the way I live right here and right now. See, understanding what it means to remember. And when I say remember, I mean remember in the fullest sense of the word. It's crucial 
for every single one of us because remember, the call to remember is one of God's most consistent calls and commands that he gives to his people. Over and over and over again, God commands his people to remember. And when God commands his people to remember, he's not simply talking about being able to generate a certain level of factual information. He's talking about the reality of what has happened in the past. He's allowing that reality to shape the way they live in the present. So this morning, with the time that we have together, I just want to take us on a, on a brief tour of God's calls to remember. And by his grace, my hope for us and my prayer for us is that we'll walk away with a better understanding of why remembering matters and what it is in particular that God wants us to remember, what it is that you and I must remember. So to keep the the tour concise and to keep us on track with the time that we have together this morning, I am going to stick to one book of the Bible. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to open it up to the book of Deuteronomy. We are going to spend our time this morning in the book of Deuteronomy. That is the fifth book of the Bible. You don't have to go far. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It is the fifth book of the Bible. It's the fifth book of the Torah, and it is the transition book in the Bible between the Torah and the historical writings. And as you're getting there, I'll just give you a brief overview. It is the largest of flyovers, a 100,000 foot flyover, so to speak. Deuteronomy can be best summed up as Moses, Israel's great leader, giving a new generation of Israelites a, a final sermon. It's his final address. This generation of Israelites is about to step foot into the land that God has promised and Moses is giving them his final farewell, his final address to the people. He's reminding them of who they are and what God has done, how God had redeemed them out of slavery, how God had made a covenant with them to be their God and for them to be his people, how God had established for his people a right understanding of what worship and life was to look like. And he was reminding God's people right there before they entered the promised land that those who who heard that covenant, who were present at the mountain when God spoke to Moses, they had disobeyed. And that generation wasn't there now. A new generation was listening to Moses. And Moses was reminding this generation of who God is and who they are because of what God has done. This entire book, just for your own understanding, it's a book that recounts God's faithfulness to his people. It renews God's covenant with his people. This entire book is getting after the heart of what it means to actually be God's people. That's the book of Deuteronomy. And throughout this entire book, God, through Moses, calls his people to an ongoing life of remembering. Remembering. He wants the realities of the past to shape their present living. And here's the thing before we dive into Deuteronomy. I want you to understand this. And this is going to come, become more clear as we go on in the coming weeks. Remembering as the Bible speaks about it. Re- remembering in the fullest and richest sense of the word. It's no trivial matter. Starting next week, we're going to spend some time going back to what's normal for us on Sunday morning as we open up one book of the Bible and work our way through it. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend our time working through a particular book of the Bible that lays out for us in no uncertain terms what the consequences of not remembering is. 
The book of Judges is going to help us to see what it looks like when God's people actually forget, when they don't live a life of remembering, when God's calls to remember are no longer heeded. So starting next week, we're going to be looking at the book of Judges. And I'll just tell you that so that you can begin reading. If you're not already reading the book of Judges through our community Bible reading program, now's a good time to pick it up and just start reading. Parents, let me just encourage you, if you've never read the book of Judges, go ahead and start reading the book of Judges. We're going to be going through it in the fall and, and through the winter and probably into the first few weeks of the new year. But this morning, I'm going to keep us in Deuteronomy. And I want us to look at specifically what does God call his people to remember and why does he call us to remember these particular things? And I'm just gonna give us three. There are more, but I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, I'm supposed to give you three. So I'm gonna give you three. So if you've made your way to Deuteronomy, head to chapter five. This is where we're gonna start. Deuteronomy chapter five, and we're going to start in verse 15. And the first thing that we're going to see, what God wants us to remember and why he wants us to remember it is this. Remembering God's redeeming grace motivates for you and I grace-driven obedience. Remembering God's redeeming grace motivates grace-driven obedience. Deuteronomy 5, verse 15. Listen to what it says. You shall remember. Is it up there? Nope. You shall remember. There it is, right there. Remember. Remember what? You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And, so there's something else you're supposed to remember. And the Lord your God who brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. So, so here's one thing that God, through Moses, commands his people to remember. You are to remember. Most of the people he's talking to in Deuteronomy were not in Egypt. So is Moses just telling them to recall facts and information they had heard from their, their parents or is there something more? And this is that richer idea of remembering where the realities of the past are meant to shape the way they live now. He says you're to remember that you were a slave and to remember that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Why remember God's redeeming grace bringing you out of slavery? Well, listen to what he says. Therefore, because you are a slave and because God redeemed you and set you free, the Lord your God commands you to keep the Sabbath day. The Lord your God commands you to keep the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day, and what is meant to motivate your obedience in this situation? You're meant to remember. The reality of who you were and where you were when God intervened and set you free, you're meant to remember that. And remembering that by the grace of God will motivate you to obey his gracious commands that he gives. To understand exactly what he's saying here, you've got to make the connection between slavery and the Sabbath. You, you miss the obedience and, and what he's saying and why remembering where you were and who you were when God redeemed you will motivate obedience if you, if you miss the connection between slavery and the Sabbath. The only people in Egypt who did not have a day off were slaves. They had little to no control over their life itself. Where they worked, when they worked, what they did, for how long they worked, that was not up to them. They were under the control of someone else. God is speaking through Moses and he's looking at his people that are about to step foot into the land that he has promised. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember where you were. 
I want you to remember where you were when God stepped in and set you free. I want you to remember that it was by his grace alone, his mighty outstretched arm that he redeemed you and set you free. I want you to remember where you were and who rescued you and what that means for you now because God has set you free. You're no longer under the control of Pharaoh. You're a redeemed people now. You're meant to live like a redeemed people. Remember where you were. Remember what God has done. Because when you remember where you were and who you were and you remember what God has done for you by his grace, it will change. It will change the way that you live. Past realities are meant to shape present living. You're free, God is saying through Moses. Now live as free people. I see for you and I, we... We're called the same way to remember that we too, by the grace of God, were set free. You and I were formerly enslaved to sin and wickedness. We were slaves to our sin. This is what Paul was trying to remind the church of Roman in Romans 6. You and I were enslaved to sin. But God. The two best words you will ever hear. But God. By his grace, he has set you free in Christ. The gracious, redeeming work of God through his son has rescued you out of darkness and brought you into the light, brought you into the kingdom of his beloved son. And what God is saying is rightly remembering where you were, rightly remembering his redeeming grace towards you will help you to rightly see what it looks like to obey his commands. Obeying his commands no longer become a burden. Obeying his commands become freedom. They become delight, they become joy. Remembering what God has done, his redeeming grace is meant by God to motivate glad-hearted obedience in your life. This is what we are getting after when we talk about gospel-centered and and grace-driven living. Remembering the redeeming grace of God. This will cultivate and motivate joyful, delightful obedience to his commands in your life today. The call to remember the gospel. To remember the redeeming grace of God. It's central in all of God's commands to remember that he gives his people. But sometimes, and here's what we're going to see with the next two. Sometimes there are particular aspects of God's redeeming grace. There are particular aspects of that gospel that God reminds his people to remember for particular reasons. So throughout the book of Deuteronomy, throughout the Old Testament, throughout God's word, you're going to hear God tell his people to remember. And nine times out of ten, they're going to rehearse the gospel story of God setting his people free. But there are times when he particularly, he highlights particular aspects of it. And so for the next two examples, I want to highlight two particular aspects of that gospel that God calls his people to remember and why he would do that. So in the second one, you can flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 15. We're going to go to a couple places in Deuteronomy for this one because I want you to see it clearly. Remembering God's redeeming grace will motivate, cultivate in our lives grace-driven obedience today. That was the first one. The second thing God wants us to remember and why he wants us to remember is this. Remembering where God redeemed you from will cultivate 
grace-driven compassion for others in your life now. Cultivate obedience. Now we're talking about cultivating compassion towards others. Deuteronomy chapter 15, let's start in verse 12. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman is sold to you, he shall serve six years and in the seventh, look what it says, you shall let him go free from you. And when you let him go free from you, look at this, you shall not let him go empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, and out of your wine press. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. And look at verse 15. You shall remember, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this day. So you are to show this kind of graciousness towards your fellow Hebrew man or woman who has been a bondservant to you for six years when you set them free. You let them go and you don't just let them go. You show compassion upon them and you open up your hands to them and you give to them generously and liberally out of your own flocks. But then we're going to get even more specific. So remember I told you you're always going to see that gospel message but sometimes he highlights particular aspects of it, right? Watch this. Deuteronomy chapter 24. We're going to keep in the same theme. Remembering where you were when God redeemed you will cultivate in you grace-driven compassion towards others. That's what we're going to see. Deuteronomy chapter 24, we'll start in verse 17. Listen to what he says. You shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or the fatherless or take a widow's garment in pledge. Most vulnerable people in society in that day, you shall not pervert the justice that's due to them. Verse 18, but... You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this specifically. So don't pervert justice to the vulnerable because you were a slave and I redeemed you. But then he's going to drill down even more specifically. Look at verse 19. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheath in the field, you shall not go back and get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. Verse 22, here we go, you ready? You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Now what are you expecting to hear next? Well, that the Lord your God redeemed you, right? It's not there. You shall remember you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Remember where you were. Therefore, I command you to do this. You, you hear what he's, what he's telling his people? Can you, can you catch the logic when you go through it? Remember the situation that you were in when I set you free. Nine times out of 10, it's always going to be, remember you were a slave and that God redeemed you by his mighty outstretched arm, therefore. But sometimes he highlights particular aspects. Sometimes he pulls out one particular piece for us to remember. Remember the situation that you were in. Remember exactly where you were when God redeemed you. You see, remembering where you were, the situation that you were in, the enslavement that you were in when God, by his grace, set you free. Do you know why that matters? When you and I can remember 
Not just remember factual information and maybe recall situations and images and, and experiences and smells, but when the reality of where we were comes into our life and begins to shape the present, when we remember where we were when God redeemed us, it absolutely cuts our own sense of self-exaltation and pride off at the knees. You see, like Israel, and this is gonna happen when we get to Judges and we're gonna see it play out, the further and further and further away you and I get from that moment when God graciously redeemed us from our slavery towards sin and set us free in the life of his kingdom and his son, the further we get away from that, the, the more tempted we are to think that, you know, it really wasn't that bad back there. I really wasn't that enslaved. Oh man, look at all the decisions that I made back at that point in my life. I, I think I made some pretty good decisions to get myself out of there. See, the further and further away we get from when God first redeemed us, if we're not careful, the duller and duller our sense of our need and his grace will be in our own heart. See, when we remember where we were, when we don't forget, when we remember exactly the situation we were in, how desperate we really were when God saved us. Our, our sense of self-exaltation, our tendency to boast in our own present circumstance and situation will be cut off at the knees. And you know what? We'll be free. Free in this sense to extend the same kind of compassion, the same kind of care, the same kind of liberal generosity to those who find themselves, those the most vulnerable around us because we too were in that same situation. See, what happens, and it happens in the church more than we ever want to actually admit, it's another sermon for another day, but when our heart gets dull to where we were when God redeemed us, when we're no longer necessarily remembering in the fullest sense of the word exactly where we were when God set us free, we can begin to look at those around us, even the most vulnerable in the world around us, and look at it and go, well, you know what, you've made some bad decisions. I, I don't know if, you, if you're really worthy of my help. Remembering where you were, it's another sermon for another time, but remembering where you were when God saved you, poor and desperate. Remembering where you were, that where you are now and what you have, you have nothing, you have, you have none of it apart from his grace. Remembering where you were when he saved you will cultivate in you a real grace-driven compassion and generosity to others around you. Generosity of spirit, generosity of property. I mean, how do you cultivate a compassion for the lost, those who are still enslaved to sin? How do you cultivate a compassion for the vulnerable, those who are in need? You remember where you were when God's redeeming love rescued you. Gospel-centered, grace-driven obedience. Gospel-centered, grace-driven compassion. But, but there's a third we're going fast, there's a third. He gets specific. Deuteronomy chapter nine, go backwards. Remembering God's redeeming grace, cultivate a grace-driven obedience in life today. Remembering where you were when God's redeeming grace rescued you will cultivate in you a grace-driven compassion to the vulnerable spiritually and physically around you. But now third, remembering your sin. Remembering your sin will cultivate in you an increased delight 
in God's grace. I mean, here's the thing. He's constantly calling his people to remember his redeeming grace. Remember where you were. Remember what I've done. Remember my grace that came in and set you free. But what happens when you don't have a, an increasing delight in God's grace? What happens when your heart does begin to freeze over? And don't listen to me and pretend like it doesn't happen to you. What happens when, you, when your heart feels like a bucket of water that's been left outside in the winter and there's a, there's, a, there's a layer of ice beginning to set over it and you can feel it getting stronger and deeper and something has to come break it. Something has to, to happen. How do you begin to delight again with joy in the redeeming grace of God? It's gonna sound counterintuitive to you, but look at Deuteronomy chapter nine. We'll start in verse five. It's not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you're gonna possess their land. But because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you that he may confirm the word the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. Listen, because you're a stubborn people. Again, lest you forget exactly where you were when God redeemed you and your sense of the situation you were in was getting dull, just remember, you were a stubborn people. Verse seven, remember and do not forget. It's one of the only times in the book of Deuteronomy he'll say remember and do not forget. It's like a double emphasis. Remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day you came out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. No, remember you were in slavery. No, remember that God redeemed you by his outstretched arm. No, remember and don't forget how you've not ceased to provoke the Lord your God to wrath. And don't forget how you have continued to rebel against God, the one who's rescued you. And, and, and why would God say that? I mean, here's the thing, if we're really honest in the church today, and we would, we, would, we would cry foul on what's happening here because we're supposed to forget those sins, right? We're supposed to move past that reality. We're not supposed to talk about that any, anymore, right? No. We remember, as one writer said, because your current experience of the grace and kindness of God is wholly unmerited. This is what he's getting after with the Israelites here. Your current experience of the grace and kindness of God is wholly unmerited. It's all grace. And when you remember your sin, how you have continued to provoke the Lord your God to wrath, how from the day he set you free, you continue to rebel. When you remember your sin, you remember that the grace that you have received and continue to receive, it's all grace. Sin reminds us, another writer says, of how lavish and how amazing God's forgiveness really is. Moses looked at God's people and it said, it's not because of who you are. Lest you think that any of the blessing that you're experiencing now by the hand of God and will experience when you go into this land is because of anything in you. Lest you think any of it has come or is coming because of who you are, remember your sin. Remember. And remember everything that you have received from the hand of God is all from grace. It's not an Old Testament message alone. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter two, Paul will say in Ephesians 2.11, remember that at one time 
you, you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Remember, don't forget when you remember not only where you were, but when you continue to remember the reality of your own present rebellion, the struggle for obedience that exists in your own heart, you are reminded like in no other way just how lavish the forgiveness of God really is. Which is why Paul goes on to say, but now in Christ Jesus. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, God calls his people to remember where we were, to remember the sin that has separated us from him. Because again, like Israel, the further we are away from that sense of God's redeeming grace, the less significant not only our situation in sin, but our sin itself will begin to feel to our hearts. So remember, remember, remember the tendency in your own heart to provoke the Lord your God that you might see just how lavish again his grace and forgiveness towards you really is. Remember where you were. Remember what had mastered you. And remember God's redeeming grace. See, whenever Israel began to forget the redeeming grace of God that they had experienced, they were ultimately forgetting the Lord who redeemed them. Whenever they forgot the Lord who had redeemed him, because he stands behind all of it. Whenever they had forgot the Lord who had redeemed them, they found themselves living in a sinful rebellion. That's what we're gonna see clearly in the book of Judges. It's why God calls his people to remember. To not forget. To remember. And, and, and here's the thing. God, God is so gracious to us. He knows the spiritual amnesia that you and I suffer from. He knows how forgetful we are. And so in his mercy and in his grace, he has graciously given us means to to jog our memory. He wants us to remember, he knows how forgetful we are. And so he gives us help. He gives us aids to to jog our memory. The the first thing that God gives us to to jog our memory, to to help us to remember, to remember his redeeming grace that set us free, to remember where we were when he set us free, to remember our sin that continued to provoke him to wrath, that we might be motivated to obey out of delight, that we might show compassion to those around us, that we might delight in his forgiveness to us. My alarm is going off. That's not good. I'm not supposed to be done yet. The first thing he gives us to jog our memory is one another. He gives us one another. You and I have the rich privilege of helping one another to live a life daily remembering. A life of remembering. Listen to this. Let me just read this to you. Second Peter. If you've got your Bibles, you're fast, turn over to Second Peter. This is one of my my favorite passages. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read the whole thing to get to one point. Not the whole book of 2 Peter. 
2 Peter 1, verse 3, listen to this. It says, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and your virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from becoming ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ever felt ineffective and unfruitful in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. Look at this, having forgotten. Having forgotten. Forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now listen to what Peter says. Listen to what he says. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that they have. I, I intend, as long as I'm with you, to remind you of these things. And then I love what Peter says in verse 13. I think it's right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by a way of reminder. That's the privilege that we have. You and I suffer from a spiritual amnesia, a nearsightedness and a blindness because we forget not only where we were and what had enslaved us, but God's redeeming grace towards us through his son having cleansed us of all unrighteousness. Because we live a life of forgetting, we need to be reminded. And so Peter says, as long as I'm within this body, as long as God gives me life and breath, here's my intention towards you, brother and sister in Christ. I intend daily to stir you up by way of reminder. That's the blessing and the ministry that we have with one another. You ever wonder what it means to help disciple one another? It means to stir one another up by way of reminder in exactly who we are and what God's done. That's all it is. That's all it is. Helping one another to no longer live today and tomorrow nearsighted and blind and suffering the consequences, but to stir one another up by way of reminder. God knows we're forgetful. He knows it's easy for us to live today, tomorrow, and the next day having forgotten such things. So he gives us each other. But then he gives us something else. He gives us memorials. God commands us to do certain things that will serve as reminders to help jog our memory that we might remember. And in remembering, allow the realities of the past to shape the way we live today. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's going to be familiar to many of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And not cold facts, not particular pictures, not particular sets of information, do this in remembrance of me with the realities of that moment of what was about to happen, of what that means, meant to shape and transform the way you live now. And in the same way, Paul says, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Friends, each week when we respond to God's word by receiving communion, God is calling us as his people in that moment to remember for the past realities of his saving grace to shape the way we live now, to remember where we were, just how bad off our situation enslaved to sin really was, just how prone we are to live nearsighted and blind to who he is and what he's done and to remember his saving grace and redeeming us through his son that we might delight in his forgiveness anew now. And so Jesus says as we respond to his gospel message and and as we take the bread, remembering that his body was broken in our place for our sin and we put it in our mouth and we begin to chew it in our teeth and, and we dip it in the cup and as we chew it, the taste of the cup settles on our palate and it settles in our throat. We're meant to remember his saving grace, the sacrifice of his son in our place for our sin, wholly undeserved on our part. It's all grace, and we're meant to remember it. And as a family this morning, as a church family, for those who have tasted of the grace and kindness of God through the work of his son, we have the the, the privilege this morning to remember, to remember his mercy, to remember his grace, to remember the forgiveness of God purchased by the death of Christ. It's the same grace we remember coming to the table that we live in today, tomorrow, and the next day. See, every time as God's people that we take communion, Jesus said the gospel, the good news of his work, of his defeat of sin, Satan, and death, of God's way to be redeemed and reconciled to him, every time we take it as his people, we're proclaiming the gospel. And so he means us to take it together, remembering and embracing the good news of his grace again. This morning, as we prepare to respond to God's word, my my hope, my my prayer is that as God's people, as Christians, we we come to the Lord's table this morning. We, We come with eagerness. We come with expectancy. We come believing and knowing that we don't do this out of some rote habit. It's not some dutiful aspect of ceremony that we're participating in, but this is a real gospel experience. God calls us to remember. And in his grace, he he gives us memorials like, like communion to help us to remember. I'm gonna pray for us and then you're gonna have a couple of minutes to reflect and And then as God's people, those who have tasted of the grace of God's forgiveness in Christ, who have given themselves to Christ as their King and as their Savior, whenever you're ready, you can come forward, take the bread, dip it in the cup, remembering the gospel, remembering the redeeming grace of God. Then we'll sing, we'll make much of him again with the mouths, the voices that he's given us, and then we'll be sent out from here as his people to this city. So I'll pray and and then we'll respond together. Father, thank you. Thank you that you rescue us from our amnesia. You rescue us from our nearsightedness. Thank you that ultimately you rescued us from our enslavement to sin by your son. Lord, we ask this morning that we, that we would remember. We don't want to walk out of here having heard your word and 
continue to be forgetful. Help us to remember this morning, to remember for the first time or for the first time in a long time, the sweetness of your grace, the lavishness of your forgiveness and allow our remembering to transform how we live, not only when, when we walk out of here, but wherever you send us from this point forward. We ask that you would do that this morning for your glory and your son's name. Amen.